Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Exurgat Deus discipentur inimici eius, et fugianque odernteum afacia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So I was watching a video on Spiritus TV, sensusfidelium.tv, uh, watching actually a series, uh, La Cristiada, <clears throat> in conferences talking about the history of the Cristero War. And it takes... Like, if you really want to understand the full nature of what's going on in the Catholic Church, then in all honesty, you actually kind of have to pay attention to everything that's going on all over the world, all the time. Or at least have some correlative dates, times, and places. It was in... It was just tucked away in the video. On the day that they decided to begin negotiation or execute the negotiations for the end of the Cristero War, <clears throat> which, by the way, the Cristeros were winning. And that's kind of the important part. It was June 21st, 1929. June 21st, 1929. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangeli, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiamit insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae calestis, satra malios, que spiritus malignos, que ad peditionem animarum, pervegantur et mundo divina virtute in infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimo Miserere Nobis, Mater Dolorosa, Ora Pronobis. Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. June 21st, 1929. Why is this date important? Well, it just so happens that on June 13th, 
1929, Sister Lucia experienced the quote-unquote last vision. It wasn't the last vision. Um, in which Our Lady told her, the moment has come in which God asks the Holy Father in union with all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, promising to save it by this means. Why is this important? Because you have to understand world events. Eight days later, on the octave of June 13th, the Mexican War, the Mexican Civil War, the Cristero War, which had been raging off and on in Mexico for 100 years, thanks in no small part to the United to meddling from the United States of America, would come to an end. The Cristeros would lay down their weapons and they would be slaughtered. Why is the Cristero War important? <clears throat> well, what are the errors of Russia? There are a lot of people who say that the errors of Russia, specifically, are... Well, what's the best way to put it? Communism. You know, communism and its affiliated materialistic, atheistic, yada, yada, ooh. Yes, this is true. But where did communism come from? If you've been paying a really close, like real close attention across time and space and all this other stuff and been diving into all of these things, and, uh, if you've actually been doing the deep dive, then it basically rolls out like this. In 1717, the Grand Lodge of the Freemasons officially holds their first meeting. Originally, everything starts off copacetic, and then the Freemason, and then Freemasonry goes to France. At that point, you get the Grand Lodge of the Orient, which is the evil twin of what had been basically a largely innocuous organization. But the evil twin would pop off and conduct the French Revolution. And the two lodges between them would manage to bandy back and forth ideas that would eventually manifest into secular materialism, atheistic materialism, Darwinism. And over time, between the York Rite, the Scottish Rite, the Grand Orient, etc., all of these all of these lodges that would eventually start to synchronize and sort of homogenize after a manner, not fully, but after a manner, they would eventually codify a bunch of diabolical 
rituals and then become patently anti-Catholic. And it is from this antipathy to Catholicism that we would eventually get the the fervor that would spill out into communism. Now keep in mind you got the the children of Freemasonry include communism, socialism, Nazism, eugenics, Fabian socialism, all of these, all of these are children of Freemasonry. They're the you would also get, during that same time period, um, the Ordo Templi Orientis, or the OTO, the Order of the Golden Dawn, Aleister Crowley's group. You would get <clears throat> what would eventually morph out and change into modern witchcraft and Wicca and all of that. You would see resurgences in tarot card reading, Ouija boards, divination, uh, summoning of spirits, etc., 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 I've read all of the all of these texts, all of them. I've studied all of these groups, many of them with actually with the intent of joining them. <clears throat> these organizations, organi- I'm going to put organizations in quotes because, of course, the the Freemasonic lodges are organized, the Shriners are organized. Um, it becomes a little bit less so when you're dealing with the Ordo Templi Orientis and or the OTO and the Order of the Golden Dawn and the Rosicrucians and, and all of these other occultic influences. But all of those things, all of those things would develop a, a sort of multifaceted incestuous relationship with each other. All of them. Sin par, as we would say in Spanish. The movement in Mexico was a principally Freemasonic movement to take over the government. It was executed by former seminarians. Every one of the Freemasonic generals that had eventually become president of Mexico in the lead-up to the Cristero War, every single one of them were former seminarians and had a vitriolic antipathy to Holy Mother Church. And every last one of them were... uh, Excuse me, not every last one. There was one, Huertas, Aside from him, everybody else, all of the others, from Cayes to every, all of them, were Freemasons. Now, why would it be important in June of 1929 for Our Lady to come and visit, for Our Lady to appear to Sister Lucia de Jesus Rosa dos Santos and tell her The moment has come in which God asks the Holy Father in union with all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, promising to save it by this means. Well, part of it is because a period of time before, roughly 50 years before, Mexico had already been consecrated to the Sacred Heart 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Christ the King. It would be that consecration that would provide that would provide the battle cry, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King, to the Cristeros. And it was an octave before the eradication of the Cristeros would really come to pass that the Blessed Virgin Mary would appear to Sister Lucia and say, okay, go ahead and let, <clears throat> go ahead and let the Holy Father, Pope Pius XI, know now is the time. Now is the time. I really wish they would have. I really, really do. Russia would have been converted. The communist revolution would have come to a screeching halt. The blowback from that would have been tremendous. Keep in mind that the, that the Bolsheviks were providing banners for the Freemasons to fly over the cathedrals that they were sacking in Mexico. What would that have what would that have meant for the United States of America? Honestly, I have no idea. I haven't got the slightest faintest idea. <clears throat> but 2 years later, 2 years later, given that the popes have chosen and this is our Lord speaking to Sister Lucia, Given that the popes have chosen the paths of the the path of the kings of France, they shall share the same fate. What was the fate of the kings of France? The myopic view would be the martyrdom of the Holy Father. But the fate of the kings of France, as of right now, is there are no kings of France. Let me say that again. As of right now, the fate of the kings of France is that there are no kings of France. And from 1789, well, technically 1793, to 2023, 130 years. For the last 130 years, excuse me, oh, I'm sorry, forgot to carry the one. For the last 230 years. There have been no kings of France.
it's really weird to say that I find that tremendously overwhelming. Given that the popes have chosen the fate uh, the path of the kings of France, they shall share the same fate. Well, the same fate as of right now would mean <clears throat> that 104 years after the request, on June 13th, 19, excuse me, 2029. The Catholic Church will look, at least the institutional church, the temporal church, will be dead. And on June 13th, 1933, the Pope will be martyred, and we will not have another Pope for 200 years years. <clears throat> Do I think that's actually the way that's going to pop off? I don't know. But as I'm sort of mentally feeling around all of these details... Do I think it's impossible that we would go in through an interregnum of 230 years? No, I don't. I don't think it's impossible at all. I don't think it's impossible at all. Now, of course, in what I just said, it does sound as though I've made a few statements. One of those statements would be, of course, that the consecration, this last consecration this, uh, this past March, was invalid. Nothing the Catholic Church does is invalid. But they didn't follow the formula. The moment is coming which God asks the Holy Father, in union with all the bishops of the world, to make the consecration of Russia to my immaculate heart, promising to save it by this means. The Holy Father did do the consecration. Was it with all the bishops of the world? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did he follow a formula that seemed to be correct? 50-50 shot. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know enough about these things to know for sure, but I do know that not all the bishops participated. I do know he invited them. He didn't require them. And I do know that there were enough bishops who would be like, meh, who cares? I also know that we have not seen some tremendous salvation. In point of fact, the war hasn't really stepped back at all. Russia hasn't suddenly converted to the Catholic faith, although Our Lady does seem to be making some significant inroads into Russia, which is nice. But this is something that our Lord basically expressed. He was going to make it obvious that his mother's immaculate heart triumphed. And we are now in 2023. Maybe it's coming. But it looks like we're still headed off the cliff. I'm going to keep this one kind of short because I just happen to tie those two things together. And I'm getting ready to do a deeper dive in particular to a few items out of the Apocalypse of St. John. Because there were a couple of things while I was driving to church it just kind of occurred to me. Well, actually, let's... Let's do kind of a preview right now. <clears throat> All right, so shifting from Our Lady of Fatima, but sticking with prophecy. In the Apocalypse of St. John, they talk about the mark of the beast. And I, I have to try and dig it up. But there was a priest who said that it was understood by all of the fathers of the church that, that the mark of the beast, the thing that was on your hand or on your forehead, 
was not a physical mark. Rather, the symbolism, the spiritual indicator of on the forehead and in the hand had to do with a mark in thought and deed. Meaning that in the same that in the same way that the the marks of salvation include praying the Holy Rosary every day, include engaging in, in uh, Lectio Divina, you know, 15, 15 to 30 minutes of spiritual reading every day. Um, 15 minutes at, at a minimum of 15 minutes of mental prayer every day. That if you do, that, no joke, if you do the 15 to 30 minutes of Lectio Divina, 15 to 30 minutes of, of meditation, of, of, of meditative prayer, mental prayer, and you pray the Holy Rosary, you're probably going to heaven. You are that like those would be the marks that indicate predestination for salvation. And this is under and this is understood. This is taught by the this is taught by the church. This is understood. If you if if you knock out those three things, so basically if you spend 45 minutes a day praying the rosary, in mental prayer, and in Lectio Divina, if you manage to pull off all three of those things. The chances, the chances of you're going to hell are basically nil. And those are marks of predestination. Now, marks of predestination of damnation include thoughts and deeds as well. So here we are. The, the marks of predestination for heaven include include prayer, in, include praying the rosary, mental prayer, and lectio divina. So you have two deeds and thoughts. And thoughts actually integrated. It requires actions of the head and actions of the hands, especially if you're if you actually physically have like a rosary ring with the beads, or you have your rosary, or it, like for example, I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus. We have a coin that actually has the beads minted on the coin, so this way you can actually you can actually just hold the coin and actually count off the decades using the coin. <clears throat> Those would be physical actions that are marks on the hands. Spending 15, 20 minutes a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament in mental prayer would be the marks on the forehead, would be the mark on the forehead. Capiche? So, going to school or going to work and then coming home and vegging out and watching the game and watching television and watching movies or whatever and playing video games and then talking about playing video games or talking about the movies or talking about the, the games, the football games or whatever, those would also be marks. And because you're spending time in vapid entertainment, more than that, actually, since you're spending well more, way more time doing that than you are, say, praying, those would be kind of the counterbalances. If you spend time shopping, or you go, you know, you you look really nice, or this, that, and the other. Or if you're a dude and you grow your hair out and you, you know, whatever, like, you know, if you happen to engage in the LGBT stuff, well, that that would be the mark in the head and on your hands, in marks in other places too. But we're not going to talk about that. If you're an activist for Antifa. 
the, the rioting that they call protesting, the death, destruction, and mayhem, those would be the deeds that would be the mark of the beast on your hands. The Desert Fathers seem to agree that the mark of the beast on the forehead and on the hand had to do with thoughts and deeds, which is why it is so important to consecrate yourself each day to dedicate all of your thoughts, words, and deeds to our Lord, to our Lady, to offer them up as an oblation to them so that this way you minimize the likelihood that you'll end up doing other stuff that is actually the mark of the beast. Now, Protestants talk about literal, the Bible being literal. Catholics talk about the Bible being literal. In general, the church teaches that prophecies have a spiritual, ineffable element. That they're not typically... So, for example... Um, I looked and I saw a sign in the heavens, and it was a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and, and the moon beneath her feet. Okay, now this is a literal description of the constellation Virgo on a particular day. That is a literal description of what was going on with the stars. Okay, cool. There's that. We are also talking about the woman clothed with the sun. We all, we, we all know who that is. And with the moon beneath her feet, we all know who that is too. If you, like, if you need it cut short to get to cut to the chase, let's just go ahead and direct your attention over to Our Lady of Guadalupe, where she's literally draped in sun gold. With a, with, a, with a gorgeous stellar robe standing standing on the crescent moon. We know, we know who the woman clothed with the sun is. We know that that is a spiritual description, that is a symbolic description. It is also a literal description of particular item of particular of, of particular events happening at particular times. okay? <clears throat> you get that multifaceted reality when it comes to spirit when it, when it comes to prophecy. So, we saw a bishop dressed in white. We, we had the impression it was the Holy Father. And he's walking up through, and, he, and he's going up the hill through the city, stepping over dead bodies, stepping over dead bodies and, 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 weeping, and weeping for them. He climbs, he, climbs a tall, he climbs a tall hill up to the foot of a cross that is made out of rough wood like the bark of a cork, of, of a cork tree. At which point he is assassinated by soldiers with arrows and bullets. Okay. <clears throat> All of that ha now that may physically happen. It's not to say that it won't. Lord knows that we do actually have representations of the cross. That are actually made with like with the appearance of rough bark, like that of a cork tree. Okay, we know that that's we. 
That's not outside the realm of physical possibility. But we also know that arrows and bullets have a spiritual symbol have a spiritual symbolism. Let me go ahead and refer you over to Ephesians chapter 6. And take up the shield of faith with which you can quench all of the fiery darts of the evil one. So there's a spiritual element there. What are the fiery darts of the evil one? They are temptation, obsession, oppression, various forms of diabolic disorientation, heresy, apostasy, presumption, the, the seven deadly sins. All of those are considered the fiery darts of the evil one. It also indicates martyrdom of the Pope. But if it is a martyrdom that is, in fact, of the fiery darts of the evil one, then it's not the martyrdom of the Pope, per se, because if the Pope succumbs to the temptations and to the wickedness of the devil, it is actually the martyrdom of the papacy. as the Pope becomes an apostate. If he is, in fact, just a bishop in white, then it's a martyrdom of the, of the episcopacy as the bishop falls to apostasy. Because the bishop himself, if he actually falls to the slings and arrows of the evil one, means that he falls to temptation, he commits the transgression, and he murders his own soul. He murders his own soul. You cannot be a martyr when you commit suicide. And that's what willingly falling, or allowing yourself to fall to the temptations and snares of the devil, that is exactly what you do. You commit suicide. You do not suffer martyrdom. Now, maybe there's a circumstance in which you can suffer martyrdom by falling to the slings and arrows of the evil one. Maybe. But we do know for a fact that you can fall that you that you can fall to mar as, as a martyr with your final holy sacrifice, of course, to real arrows and real bullets. But if, these are, but if these are spiritual arrows, spiritual bullets, then these are temptations. These are temptations and disorientations. These are heresies and apostasies. These, these are things that cause a person to reject the Catholic faith, reject God in their actions, their, in their thoughts, in their words, and in their deeds. And in point of fact, a refusal to take up the rough-hewn cross would constitute. If I were to translate that vision into something that actually has a specifically spiritual meaning and step away from the letters, from the actual definitional, you know, material uh, potentialities, then it would simply go this. The Holy Father, if it is in fact the Holy Father, we'll just go with the Holy Father. The Holy Father sees the dead bodies. Dead bodies in a spiritual sense, that means he's, he's stepping over the corpses of people who have fallen to mortal sin. And he's weeping. 
This much we know because he is weeping pretty much the whole way up the hill. As he climbs the hill and gets to the foot of the cross, he's slain. What that basically translates into is he sees all of he sees the state of the souls of all of the people around him. And he's trying to fight the good fight. And he's climbing up the hill to Cal- to Calvary. And when it comes time for him to take up his cross, he fails and he himself is slain. Not slain by bullets, which is the symbol, but decides not at that decides at that moment rather than take up the cross to reject Christ's cross and be struck down and in this particular case for all eternity to die the death now that would be the translation from a spiritual language Using that same sort of spiritual language, obviously, that ties into the mark of the beast being on the hand and on the forehead as being your thoughts and your deeds. And in this case, it would kind of lump in your thoughts and your deeds would also kind of lump in your speech because that would be tied in. So to take up the mark of the beast would be to actually give lip service to Christ, but rather than actually be a Christian... Follow the beast instead. What is the beast? The beast in this case is Beelzebub. You could say, I'm going to say, small g God of self-love. Of selfishness. Of narcissism. Of self-aggrandizement. Of pride. That's kind of his thing. And that would be the mark of the beast. That would be, we've done these great things. I have done these things with my own hand, knowing full well that I can do nothing if Christ doesn't provide me the strength. But I have done all these things with my own hand. That would be basically assuming the mark of the beast in my forehead and in my hands. And then to behave in a manner as though I was the one responsible for anything good. The other option of the Mark of the Beast is to spend so much time in front of the telly that instead of considering the things of God, you spend the time considering the things of men. Another Mark of the Beast would be falling to pornography. In point of fact, actually, I think that's probably... Like, if I were going to pick something that was the premier option as the Mark of the Beast, it would be the people who use internet porn. The people who subscribe to things like OnlyFans. The people who use Pornhub and and all of the various whatevers. A couple of years ago, I read <laughs> this absolutely horrifying article so the majority of managers the successful managers in companies like mid to upper level management etc like mid to upper level management and then kind of moving your way up use pornography and masturbate at least once a day 
it seemed to give the suggestion that in order to be a successful manager, you actually had to self-abuse and utilize pornography daily. And I could see why, in all honesty, because when you're in those sort of positions of responsibility, and in particular, if you have no faith, what else do you have? You can't use any real drugs because real drugs will take you off the game. They'll actually strip you of your capacity to make those decisions. So opiates like Vicodin or, or Xanax or whatever, those will actually only make the problem worse. <clears throat> but you need to soften up the pain somehow. And let's face it, we live in an age where prayer and fasting and self-mortification and spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that's not how people ease the pain. It's not the path that most choose. So if you're getting to the tune of five out of six mid to upper level managers, including presidents and CEOs, vice presidents of operations and such and, and such and such, Well, I'll put it like this. If if Xavier's if Xavier Aral's conclusions based on his research into the apparitions of Our Lady of Fraude, um, with Marie Julie Jehani, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady um, Our Lady's apparition, Our Lady of Mount Carmel at Garavandal, if his assessment is correct. And the three days of darkness cometh, and three quarters of the world's population are about to be wiped out. And his assessment is that it would be 2023, possibly 2024. 81 to 83 years. So we've already gotten through 2022, which would have been the 81st year. So 2023, 2024 would be the 80 to 82nd year, 83rd year. <clears throat> if his assessment is correct, then in the next year and a half, year, year, a year to two years, there are not going to be any more CEOs. There are not going to be any more HR managers. There are not going to be any more mid-level managers. Because if five out of six of them, and it's going to be the very rare ones of them that actually are spared, who actually convert in the, in the tumult that is the three days of darkness. By the way, we say things like three quarters of the world's population. Let me put that in perspective. The corner store that I go to to get gas, um, going to and from work, and before I leave, and before I leave out for my two hundred mile trek for church, not on one of them. There are about seven people that work there, and not a one of them would survive.
At my job, we have roughly 62 people. Maybe three would make it through. And I'm not even actually counting myself in the three. Maybe three just on the offhand. So a company with 62 people is now down to three. That means nobody's working on the airplanes. Point of fact, actually, the representatives for the company, probably none of them are going to make it either. So the company's probably going to expire. Just like that. Three days of darkness, and on the back side of it, there's no more company. Two whole companies completely wiped out. With maybe 20 to 30... Because keep in mind, the entirety of the United States of America could be wiped off the map, and it's still... And it's not a large enough presence in the world... Every man, woman, and child in the United States could be eradicated by the three days of darkness, and there would still be a room, and there would still be room for another four billion to be eradicated. Let me say that again: the entirety of the United States of America could be erased, obliviated, annihilated. Not one man, woman, or child. From sea to shining sea, across the fruited plains, up in the mountains, and down in the valleys, not one could survive. And there would still be enough room in the three quarters of the world's population to be wiped off the map that you could wipe off another three and a half, four billion people. To put that in context, you could erase all of North and South America, China and India, and Japan, and still have room for North Africa and half of Europe. That's a lot of people, bro. And that's just numbers wise. That's just deal. That's just dealing with it from it. Like if it's a, if it's actually three out of every four people, it's not going to be duck, 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 goose. It's just going to be seventy five percent of the world's population. The three days of darkness could wipe out every man, woman, and child in America, and not even break a sweat. Not even get. Not even get near the numbers. Now. Statistically, does it be, is that possible? Yes. There might only be 100,000 people left in the United States when this is all said and done. I think the number's closer to half a million. But even if it's half a million, that's still 1% of the population of America left behind after the eradication of the three, after after the penalty that is the three days of darkness. It'd be half a million people, maybe a million at the outset, but that's still, in fact, if it's a million, it's one third of 1%. If it's half a million, it's one sixth of 1%. And you could sweep all the rest of the people out off of the continent and not even break it, not even get close 
to the three quarters of the world's population. And this is the thing that I don't think people are really comprehending. That if it gets to this point, if that actually happens, there are no power plants. There are no gas stations. There are no banks. You remember the movie I Am Legend? That's what the world looks like. That's what the world ends up like. Without the vampires. But that's what the world ends up like. In my city, there might be a hundred survivors. In my state, there might be a thousand. In my country, there might be a million. But how much of this country is still going to be functional? I mean, think about this for just a moment. <clears throat> I have the utmost respect, um, and I consider and I and I consider him a personal friend, even even though we haven't had we haven't had opportunity to spend much time together. Um, but Mike over at Restoring the Faith, I have the utmost respect for him. And his principal business is finance. Um, I don't know too too much about the sort of work that he does. But I do know for a fact that he'll be out of work on the morning after the three days of darkness. He'll be out of work for several reasons. One, how many power plants do you think are going to run, operate with like two people running them? I mean, we may still have power for a while. There'll be nobody to turn the switches off. But eventually, those them jokers are going to run down. How long do you think the servers are going to last? Who's going to transport the gas to the gas stations? Because here's the real question. Three days of darkness pop off. If you guys have had it, if you guys haven't had an opportunity to read about it, it is absolutely a terror. <clears throat> because as soon as the three days of darkness pops off, and the sky basically goes blood red, and stays like that, man, pretty much for three for, uh, for three for three days and th well for three days and two nights, if I recall correctly. How many truckers are going to be out on the road when you should be home with your curtains drawn, praying? 
How many truckers are going to be caught out on the road when that happens? How many of them do you think are going to survive? I'm voting for two. I think two in the entire country would survive it. I think two would have the presence of mind to sit in their sleepers, to sit in their sleeper cab and pray. Most of the rest, not so sure about. But I don't know who's going to run the trains. I don't know if you've ever actually worked with rail workers. They're not exactly the most pious people on earth. Some of them still manage to hold on to the faith, but as a rule, truckers, mechanics, train operator, train crew, pilots. Kind of as a rule, none of them are particularly pious. There are exceptions, I'm sure. I mean, there's more than enough people across the country who operate in all of those trades that I'm sure one of them in each industry would, would be, statistically, at least one of them in each industry would be a pious Catholic that might actually have the presence of mind to duck and cover during the three days of darkness. But as far as the rest of them, mm, probably not. And that's to say nothing of the Walmarts and the Home Depots and the supermarkets. I mean, granted, like I said, <laughs> the whole world's probably going to look like, like the layout of I Am Legend. So if you happen to be in a city, there's probably plenty of canned goods still sitting around. Because the way the three days of darkness work is if you're caught outside during those three days of darkness, guess what? You ain't making it. I wish I could make a, a like legit wish I could make a movie of it. Try to keep it as close as possible. You know, kind of sort of shift over to the spiritual aspects of particular things here and there. But the, de but the description of what's actually supposed to happen. We're talking about manifested demons running amok all over the world. We're talking... We're talking about... Hearing knocks at the door. And maybe it's your neighbor or one of your close friends going, Hey, so-and-so, help. I need some help. But the more freaky people, you know, you know the, the more paranoid people, open up, it's police. You gotta open the door, it's not the police. If you like good horror stories, you should definitely read the descriptions of what's supposed to happen in the Three Days of Darkness. If that's not your thing, then I suggest you don't. You pray your rosary, get and stay in a state of grace, fast and do penance, get some blessed candles, and lock the doors for those three days. And if Xavier A. Rell is correct, it's going to be at some point, spring of this year, coming up, 
spring of next year coming up. Oh yeah, I said that. Spring 2023, spring 2024. If he's right. I don't see a reason for him to be wrong, but I also know that all this stuff works on God's time, and so... I'll leave it be. But the idea... Dear family, if it is spring of 2023, we're talking in two months to five months. If it is spring of this year, we're talking two months to five months. Are you ready? If the Lord shows up in the next two months, are you ready? (laughs) And here's where it gets really funny. In all of the prophecies talking about the apostasy of the church, where where Rome will lose the faith and lead and lead many souls into hell, every last one of those. Here's where it gets really funny, where they say they say in each one of them, if the time were not shortened, it would deceive even the elect. The three days of darkness showing up in the next five months could actually literally be the mercy of God playing out on the earth. And we've done so much to deserve it. In St. John's Apocalypse, there's a description of locusts. Um, so you have the comet, or the, the asteroid, comet, meteor, meteorite, whatever, Wormwood. Uh, the star, Wormwood, that crashes into the Earth and opens, and opens up the bottomless pit and releases a vapor of locusts, and de- which are basically demons. And they're described as such. Oops, made a mistake. It's not Wormwood. All right. From the Apocalypse of St. John, chapter 9. And the fifth angel sounded the trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven upon the earth, and there was given to him the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and the smoke of the pit arose as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke of the pit. And from the smoke of the pit there came out locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them as scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who had not the sign of God on their foreheads. And it was given unto them that they should not kill them, but that they should torment them five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh the man. And in those days men shall seek death, and they shall not find it, and they shall desire to die, and death shall fly from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as lions. And they had breastplates as as breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was as the noise of chariots and many horses running to battle. 
and they had tails like to scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and the power was to hurt men five months. <clears throat> and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. A stampede. And they had, and the noise of their wings was the noise of chariots and many horses running to battle. So they rolled like thunder. And they had faces of men and hair of women. And their teeth were as lions. Gee, I wonder what the spiritual meaning of lion's teeth could be. But I do know what this, what the, what the, what the spiritual meaning of a tail with a sting on it. Any action done with the tail is deception and lies. So there was power given unto these demons to deceive and lie. They had faces of men and hair like women. I'm going to say this again. Faces of men and hair like women. Hmm. I wonder if that sounds familiar these days. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. What is a crown? A crown's a symbol of authority, isn't it? Symbol of office. Symbol of dignity. Crowns like gold. Not crowns of gold. In the Latin... Et similitudinis locustarum, similis equis paratis in proelium, et super capita earum tamquam coronae, similis auro. So, crowns similar to gold. Et facias earum tamquam facias hominum. And you'll notice, corona similis auro, similar to gold, and facius earum tamquam facius hominum. Their faces were as the faces of men. Et habebant capillos sicut capillos mulierum. And they had hair like the hair of women. Et dentes earum sicut dentes leonum erant and the teeth like the teeth of lions. <clears throat> I have this distinctive feeling, and it's only a feeling, that the description of the locusts that are released out of the bottomless pit are literally, the, are literally those people who have been taken over by this transgender thing. Tails like unto scorpions, tor tormenting men, teeth like lions, basically lying to them and devouring. <laughs> the devil goes prowling about the world like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Capiche? Now, I don't know if there's a spiritual significance to the number of five months, or if it's actually a literal five months, but I feel like maybe there's something more symbolic to that one. 
if it is, if in fact I am correct and that this is actually the whole transgender crap sweeping the earth. <clears throat> the locusts had a king, and the king's name was Apollyon, or in Latin, exterminans, the destroyer, the exterminator. We'll see. I'm not a theologian. I'm just piecing together all of these pieces that I keep picking up and kind of getting an opportunity to lay it out. I didn't realize... I didn't realize exactly how little I knew of history. In particular, the history of things that are actually important to Catholics in the Catholic faith vis-a-vis the Cristero War. But the more of these pieces that actually happened in the 20th century and beyond, actually further back, the things that have happened over time, the more I get an opportunity to see that this was going on in the church, that this what was happening with regards to Our Lady, that this was happening in this country or that country, and, oh, hey, by the way, it just so happens that all of these things are happening at exactly the same time. The communists are taking over in Mexico at the same time that Our Lady says, okay, the time has come to consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. The same month, eight days before the time has come, and they didn't do it, and this is what happens, and that's, and it is literally in our history. It's hidden. Most Mexicans don't even understand the history of the Cristero War. Most Americans have no idea that our country has been false flagging and obliterating Catholic interests around the world since the inception of this nation and you got skater bruh sitting there on and you got skater bruh sitting there talking about no america is like a totally crypto catholic nation no it isn't the founding fathers would send letters one to another while they were sort of bouncing in and around the white house and the secretary of state etc plotting amongst themselves how to exterminate Catholicism from the Western Hemisphere. Is it any surprise? Oh, of course, hey, we got an opportunity to buy Louisiana. Okay, cool, we buy Louisiana. All right, all that's about to be Protestant country. Oh, let's go ahead and take Texas, and then we're going to take half, actually more than half, of the landmass of Mexico. So this way we have from sea to shining sea, under what doctrine? Oh, that's right, manifest destiny. It's manifest destiny to annihilate Catholicism in half of North America. And then proceed over the next hundred years to poison Catholicism in the rest of the West. You want proof? Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela... Ecuador. Name one of these countries that hasn't been meddled with by the United States and had the faith completely eradicated in that country. Name one. I'll wait.
The truth is, you can't. You think we didn't have a hand in Argentina's fall to communism? Excuse me, socialism. You think Jorge Mario Bergoglio was an accident? Or that he would follow a man named Perón as an accident? Oh, but I can't possibly think that about my country. Well, get over it. Get over it. Because day after day, the more research I do, the more I realize that the Freemasonic government of the United States of America has done everything it can to eradicate the Catholic Church. And i got to be perfectly honest with you. The chickens coming home to roost these in the next year and a half, the bonus is, is when this is all said and done, my favorite thing is that when this is all said and done, whether or not I live to see the end of the three days of darkness, and I got to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really care if I do or don't, at least on the other side of it, the Freemasons will be gone. There will be no Freemasonry because every last one of them will have been eradicated through the triumph of Our Lady. And I would much rather the salvation of their souls. So in all honesty, I would prefer that the three days of darkness resort, re, results excuse me, in a mass conversion of the populace. That everyone comes to understand that the Catholic faith is true. And that all that other crap from Marxism to libertarianism to liberalism, all of it is garbage. Because at least from there... We have a baseline that we can decide whether how we're going to rebuild. How we're going to reestablish. How we're going to start fixing all of this nonsense that has done nothing but eat away at the very fabric, not just of, not just of our society, but of the souls of individual Catholics. We have millions of people on this earth billions of people on this earth who believe because they've been lied to their whole lives that the Catholic Church is a farce. That Christ didn't actually live. That he wasn't actually a real dude. That he's a metaphor. So at least on the backside of that, there's no more. There's no more. There might be a whole bunch of people. There might be a bunches of people who have to learn and now actually be catechized, but they're going to be more than willing to be catechized. And these evil organizations like the World Economic Forum and all of that crap will be gone. And if the vast majority are unrepentant, well, God's justice is perfect. I would prefer to take advantage of his mercy. I pray that I'm able to take advantage of his mercy. But I would much rather live in a world where God's justice is perfect 
and this finally gets fixed for his glory than anything else. All other considerations are secondary. Everything else is secondary. Anyway, for a new year's for a new year, I suppose this has actually been a depressing set of cop- topics these last couple of days. And I got to tell you, they're kind of that way. But these are warnings to make sure that you guys got everything in order. And they're warnings to myself, too, to make sure I have everything in order. Because as long as we've got everything in order, as long as we're in a state of grace, we're making sacrifices, praying and doing penance and doing all of those things, and doing, trying, trying to get to where we can live a heroic Catholic life, then no matter what happens, no matter what happens, the three days of darkness turns out to be an entirely metaphorical thing. Our Lord doesn't return for like another hundred years or a thousand years or whatever. Our Lady doesn't finally do her thing until, you know, like for another 50, 60 years, whatever. Whatever happens, or even if it pops off tomorrow, at least if we're doing everything that we can, honestly doing everything that we can, to get our behinds into heaven and our children's behinds into heaven and our spouse's behinds into heaven, doing everything that we can, then it doesn't matter if it's three days of darkness or three years. It doesn't matter if it's sunshine and lollipops or chaos, death, and mayhem. If we're doing what we can, it doesn't, none of that matters. Because God's justice is perfect. His mercy is perfect as well. We can either live to attain God's mercy now, or we can die under God's justice later. Which may also be right now. Because time flies. And every last one of us is mortal. This was a bit more disjointed than most of my podcasts usually are. If you got questions about particular items, you can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast on on Radio Free Catholic, at the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com. Also consider that if you're listening to this and you're getting those annoying ads because you're listening to this on Spotify, you can actually go, and the link is in the description because they get automatically published with the link in the description on Spotify. You can actually go to that link and for a dollar a month, not have to listen to any of the, listen to any of those garbage, garbage advertisements. In addition, occasionally I release an episode early for the people who are subscribed. Because some of this stuff I plot out a couple of days in advance, and there are particular episodes that, you know, <clears throat> well, you'll notice it if you're subscribed because you'll get an opportunity, to, you'll see it, and you'll get to click on it, and it won't be locked. So, it's not every episode, but some of them happen like that. <clears throat> All right, that's enough shameless self-promotion. Let's get back on track. Pray for the church. Pray for our nation, your nation, 
if you happen to be listening. I know I've got listeners around the world, so pray for your nation in the same way that I'm praying for my nation. If you've got some spare time, throw in a little bit of extra prayers for the United States because we're not mentioning Catholic prophecy, and I think that's actually because we get destroyed. So if you could maybe throw a couple of prayers our way, that'd be awesome. And pray for us in Catholic social media that we don't go completely off the rails. Especially if you happen to, and no joke, if you happen to think that I went off the rails in this episode, I would especially ask that you pray for me more. With that, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Fili, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.